Bill is already swaying to the music. It's gonna be a long hour and 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> oh boy. I really, I really like that intro. <laughs> yeah, so for the quick out. I'm, I'm yeah. trying a new setup and it's not working well. Um, welcome back, guys. Barstool Politics. Uh, Bill and Phil, as we put on Facebook, are currently in New York City with uh, with their Model UN students, or at least uh, Bill is. Yes, it's uh, it doesn't get any better than a Model United Nations conference, right? Just, uh, <laughs> two two thousand Model UN students running around a hotel from one hundred and ten different countries. It's it's a, it's a good kind of chaos. Hey, uh, <laughs> they can't be any worse than we were. So that's true. That's true. So no, New York, New York City is fantastic. Uh, yeah, a lot of lot of life, a lot of culture. So great, Phil. Phil, what are you doing there? I'm just hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> I used to have to come from Auto UN, and I don't anymore. So now, when Bill's in town, I can jump on a train from New Hampshire and come and hang out. Awesome. That's what I've been doing. Yay. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's good. I am uh, sitting here alone uh, in a room with a green screen behind me like a lunatic that isn't really doing anything. Um, so at some point we're going to try and do a Facebook Live thing. Um, we were working out the kinks today and and uh, not doing very good at it. So yeah, look for that in the future. We'll, we'll do some marketing out of time. Speaking of Facebook, uh, don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter and uh, and I think we've mentioned this before, but if you enjoy the podcast, uh, share with your friends on Facebook. We've, I think, exhausted all of our Facebook friends. Uh, and so if you want to help spread the word, uh, we would be very appreciative of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, let's, uh, it's, it's another crazy week. <laughs> yeah, we got lots of stuff to talk about today. You know, maybe the, of all the crazy weeks, like so many things have happened this week. You know, it, it's, yeah, it's hard to, it's going to be hard to get to them all. It's late. It, it's been, it's kind of what some people predicted about a Trump presidency. There's been so many kind of what would typically be fairly big stories, but like none of them really kind of stood out all yeah. week because they were all, all yeah. big, like, it's just kind of yeah overcrowding the the news cycle right well you think about so in a normal year a supreme court nomination confirmation hearing would would be the story right. that's been all we've been talking about story yep. and, and to be honest i'm kind of like yeah it's it's out there but right. it's getting a little bit of coverage but it's yeah it was it was swallowed up by the uh the comey testimony so, should we just do like a just kind of a quick rundown of sure. all the stuff yeah like, you've got a list going yes. on. i have a list all right so we have uh uh, Comey's testimony in front of the House Congressional uh, Investigation Committee. Uh, you have Trump's budget came out since we right. last uh, had, and we should talk about Quote that. Quote, unquote, budget. budget. Yeah. <laughs> so, sorry, Meals on Wheels. Uh, yeah, okay. Screw you, old people. <laughs> so the, the Gorsuch confirmation. Angela Merkel came and had a really awkward meeting. Uh, tomorrow, so Thursday, uh, looks like there's going to be the vote in the House for the health care bill, and that's a huge thing. It's still not clear whether that's going to pass or well, not. Well, that was even earlier this week. There were revisions that came out yes. on that. And, yeah. uh, so the, the, the travel ban has been suspended again. Uh, and Rex Tillerson went to Asia and got tired hanging out with, was it with the South Koreans? And he or, was hanging, yeah, he got tired hanging out with the South Koreans and threatening the North Koreans with nuclear right. war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Hey, in all fairness, they started it. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Uh, yeah, so that was that was it. All, all of those stories are big, big stories. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I mean, we should just like start tackling them. Yeah, like, right. Like, just pick one and go for it. I, I say we start with Comey because for me, 
pound for pound. It's just the, the most fascinating story. He, he gave this testimony as well as uh, uh, the head of the NSA, both in front of this, this committee, uh, dealing really with two issues. One, uh, the wiretapping issue and Trump's allegation of whether the Obama administration had wiretapped him. He came out in, in like just absolutely clear language, said that didn't happen. Same thing with the NSA. And then also said that there was an ongoing investigation into the Russian hacking of the U.S. election and looking into whether there was collusion with the Trump administration in that. And that is... That's massive. Yeah. Like, that's huge. And and we knew knew that that was going on, but to have the head of the FBI director come in and say, yep, this is happening, it was, it was, it really was a bombshell. So... And, and Trump was live tweeting through the whole testimony. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, there are like so many aspects of the story that deserve conversation, like deserve, yeah. deserve discussion. But uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the fact that he's live tweeting during the hearing. And before, he'd started before, too. Yeah. yeah. But the fact that during the hearing, <laughs> one of his tweets, so he tweets something that's like blatantly wrong. Yeah. Like it's, it's in, it's, the opposite of what is, what Comey is saying. And who was, do you remember who it was? It was some Democrat read the tweet to Comey and Comey said, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> he had this like look of like, I mean, cause, cause Comey didn't know this would have been happening, right? So this is the first Comey's heard of it. Uh, uh, Donald Trump is, I, I, I'm always torn on him because I think there's a lot of things I think are just absolutely awful, but we've never had a president that is live tweeting <laughs> when somebody is potentially investigating him. Right? So, uh, yeah. And then, and Nick, you were talking about the Nunez stuff today. Did you want to, want to hit on that? Well, yeah. So realistically, you know, there's an understanding, at least for the moment, that there has been no wiretapping on Trump Tower by the Obama administration, and specifically not by Obama himself, as we discussed. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not climbing the building or, you know, cutting and splicing wires and whatnot. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was today, yeah, it was a few hours ago, a couple of stories from CNN and Time, House Intel Chairman, Trump's personal commu- communications may have been collected. And I think the word that you use and that was used in the article is that it was collected incidentally. Mm-hmm. Um, but what also came out was that the information was being collected after the election took place. So there's a, that's, I mean, in my opinion, that's a weird confluence of events that it's, whatever it's incidental, which uh, that in and of itself, that he's saying it's incidental that we collected this, which means that we're collecting large amounts of data on people in that general area. Who the fuck are those or, people you're collecting that from? Right. Or it means, what it, I mean, the, other, the thing, in my mind, the thing that it likely means is that they are collecting they are tapping or listening into someone's phone mm-hmm. calls, right? Um, somebody from Russia. Some, you know, this is this would be the 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 like damning out part version. It doesn't yeah. necessarily be this, but you know, so there is some Russian person that they are listening into for intelligence reasons. If someone from the Trump campaign calls that person, so so if you called the Russian ambassador, right? Yeah, um, that yeah, right. Yeah. That would be an incidental, uh, whatever, an yeah. incidental yeah. tapping yeah. of a of a Trump person, right? So it wasn't that. The Trump person was the target. It's that the Trump person called someone who was being targeted for, um, which which would be what happened with the Flynn thing, right? right? That would be, and and I think Nunez did. I think he did say that it was a FISA warrant, so that it was all legal, right? right? So the the FISA warrant is for 
listening in yeah on u.s citizens as it as it relates to a national security issue so it is if he's saying it's legal that there is some type of investigation of somebody some foreign national who just happened to be talking to the trump administration so it can go either way right i mean it is technically it may be that yes obama was wiretapping trump right for a reason that trump should not want to be bringing up (laughs) this is the type of story in my mind that like it, it fits today's crazy political atmosphere perfectly mm-hmm. because wh- whoever you are, like we were flipping back and forth this afternoon between yeah. MSNBC and Fox News, and like wh- whichever side you're on, you could, this story can fit your narrative perfectly, yeah. right? Because oh if, yeah, if you hate Obama and love Trump, this is a story in which, like Nunes is pointing out, right, or he's trying to make this argument that the Obama administration is 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 tapping. Or the intelligence community now. It's not yeah. the Obama administration anymore. If it's after the, I guess if it was after the election before inauguration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, they're they're targeting Trump and his people. If you're on the other side, right? If you if you don't like Trump, this is what this means is that like the intelligence community has le- like you were saying legal yeah. warrants to be listening into these conversations for valid reasons <laughs> about. It's, 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 and so it's not. I, I don't. Well, and there's, I don't know. It's like it's a massive story, but I don't see like. Well, and then <laughs> it's like not going to change anybody's mind or do anything, right? And everybody was not everybody, but there were a lot of people that were upset with Nunez today about that because right. instead of going to the committee, he held this hastily put together press conference where he releases this bombshell and then goes and briefs President Trump about this. Right. Which, if you're Trump, this is fantastic, right? You now oh, yeah. finally have a narrative to say, "See, I told you." When everybody else, you know, the FBI director, the national security advisor, the DNI, everybody, including Paul Ryan, Democrat, everybody says there were no wiretaps, and now Trump can come back and say, I was right. <laughs> and to which uh, Adam Schiff, or whatever, the Democrat on the committee, had, you know, yeah. reacted really harshly because, I mean, his response was essentially, one, what the hell are you doing holding a press conference before you bring this information to the committee who's yeah. investigating? And two, what the hell are you doing telling Trump about Trump? is potentially the target of the investigation right yeah, so right. it's like it's mm-hmm. like i mean if you think of it as like a detective on a police force right it's like the chief detective the first thing they do when they get information is not talk to their fellow police officers it's to call the suspect and tell them what's going on right? so it's, it's oh it's I, and there's it's another issue a mess. of whether he can release that information all of this right. this is no right it was such a big so, story yeah so what i mean what does this what does this mean? So I mean, this is all talking about the stuff today, but even yeah. going back to Comey's testimony, like, does this change anything? Does this tell us anything different that we didn't already know about where things are? Well, there's there's two angles, right? There's the wiretap angle, and then there's the the Russian hacking of the U.S. election system. In terms of the wiretapping, you know, I, I, this feels like just an extraordinary distraction, right? I mean, it's, it, it, you know, Trump felt like he was tapped, and, and maybe he was, maybe there was in, incidental tapping. I, I, my sense is I think he responded to a story. Incidental, <laughs> incidental tapping. tapping. Uh, but, you know, but <laughs> the, the, the fact that we're spending so much time on that story is really, well, there's real issues to deal with. Uh, is is I don't think that I don't think that really matters, right? It's right. just a distraction. It's in some ways it's silly. Uh, if, if I was advising Trump, I would have told him two weeks ago to say, "I made a mistake. Let's move on," and it would have ended uh, because it's complicating all these other factors. The Russia story that's that's a bigger one. That's harder. It, I don't know. It is remarkable the extent to which you have you have the CIA, you have the NSA in testimony, yeah. basically outright flatly say this didn't happen 
or there's no evidence to say this happened. And the Trump administration hasn't budged at all, right? So they, like, <laughs> Spicer goes out oh, the next spicy. day or whatever, <laughs> that afternoon, and he's basically like, oh, president still stands by his, like, yeah. there's, we think there's more information that's going to come out. Well, I mean, what, what can he really do? I mean, if he, if they made that statement, and then they immediately turn around and say, oh, no, no, that's, no, yeah. no, don't, don't worry about that, guys. It was, we, we had a bad day. Sorry. We are kind of <laughs> angry. Spicer, though, is that. He, not only does he, you're right, Nick, he, he keeps fighting the fight, but he does it with such ambition and just audacity where he's like, no, yeah, yeah we're not, we're not walking away from it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah he, and you, if you, I watched, you know, if you watch the press briefings now, they will ask him spicy questions and then he won't answer or he'll, he'll do something else. And you can see the reporters, like their eyes rolling, like, come on. <laughs> you know? He's. He's getting, I would say, he's getting better at that. Uh, he's he in is. an awkward position. It's a really difficult, you know, to constantly be defending Trump, but he's, he's getting pretty good at it. So there, there's one storyline that, uh, it's not a storyline, one potential explanation, um, if you want to go with, like, the Trump the mastermind approach, as opposed know. to the Trump the sort of muddling through approach. few yeah. and fewer of us on that bandwagon at this point. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> But there is one explanation which which would say that it, it's very smart of Trump to make this allegation because he doesn't I don't think I don't know that he loses that much in terms of credibility over what credibility he's already lost by making this claim. And what it does is if somewhere down the down the line there are um, accusations or charges or something that comes out of an investigation by the FBI, right you have set up a narrative at this point essentially that, the intelligence community or the FBI or the Obama administration essentially was out to get you from the beginning, right? Yeah. And so there's there's this, um, yeah, if something ever comes out of it, then, yeah, I mean, you've got this fallback. Well, of course, right? Are we surprised? Yeah. You know, if, you, if you're Trump, you make it, are we surprised, right? The, the intelligence community and Obama and everyone else has been out to get us from the beginning? Of course, like, of course they're going to come up with some charges. Do we believe it? Well, I mean, this is the thing. Like, and especially coming from the, the, the Democrats' point of view, you're the party that is supposed to be like watchful and mindful of government oversight and spying and you know individual rights and and and, and citizens rights and we know for a fact that they're just collecting massive amounts of data which we have no idea the extent of the data that they're collecting and there's a, a, a vast history of them spying on private citizens for no reason other than the fact that they appear they were spying on fucking John Lennon for God's sakes. Like, I, I mean, it's just it's insane. The other part of that is, um, there there's definitely something to these claims of of Russian involvement with members of the Trump organization or Trump organization uh, administration. Uh, I was looking at. Uh, former Trump campaign chair Manafort secretly oh. worked to advance Russian interests 10 years ago. Like, yeah, it gets it's, more and more, it, it's just going out to the polar opposites as fast as is humanly possible. So, let, let's, talk, let's talk about Manafort. So, first of all, I want to throw in, just because you, you mentioned this, and I know how happy this will make Yay! I saw, I saw a story today that I was just reading to Bill that, uh, came out that says that now law enforcement facial recognition software that the FBI uses or whatever, the estimate is now that 50% of Americans are in that database. So half of Americans now, their faces can be immediately recognized anywhere and everywhere. I would so have I'm assumed gonna... it was more. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, let's, 
so I, I hadn't even thought about talking about Manafort, but this kind yeah. of fits into this whole narrative. Absolutely. You want to? Wanna... Yeah. So the story that that broke today by the AP was that he was he had worked for worked on a deal with this Russian oligarch in aluminum uh, in <laughs> 2006, where he was going to help basically lobby Russian interests in the United States so basically, and, and other Western countries. Right. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so this Russian aluminum king, I can't remember what his name is, uh, is, is closely connected to Vladimir Putin. And starting in 2006 through at least 2009, Paul Manafort was paid $10 million a year. Yep. And, and some of the rhetoric that was used in terms of what the messaging that, that Manafort himself was saying in these memos was, was really powerful, right, in terms of saying that we are going to reshape the Russian perception in the United States. Um, and that's in addition to all the other connections that he has in Ukraine, uh, slush funds. I mean, he was—he he is certainly tied in with Russia. Yeah. And then, yeah. So, just—I just, just want to before you say yeah. too much. I mean, but you said that he like this this contract that he signed at ten million dollars a year was to lobby on behalf of the the U.S. The way the AP report talks about it is that they had a plan that was to. It wasn't just lobbying. It was like it sounds more sinister than that, right? Oh, it like, is. He, he was the, the, the uh, what was it? To, his, the deal was to influence politics, business dealings, and news coverage inside the United States, Europe, and former Soviet republics to benefit Vladimir Putin's government. <laughs> Correct. Even as U.S.-Russia relations under President George W. Bush grew worse. Yeah. So he's doing this in the middle of all of this. Yeah. So anyway. And, and then in the Spicer, so then they, of course, he was asked about this, and Spicer said what he was... He played a, what was the exact word, a little role or like a small role small for a small role. period of time <laughs> or something like that. He's the campaign manager. Manager. Well, <laughs> spicy at his best. Yeah, like, like, and that's the thing. Like, I can see some instances where members of the administration go, okay, yeah, I forgot that I met with this guy and, you know, whatever. We had a conversation about something, mm-hmm. but here, here's a direct quote from one of his emails or, or briefings or something. We are now of the belief that this model can greatly benefit the Putin government if employed at the correct levels with the appropriate commitment to success. We will be offering a great service that can refocus both internally and externally the policies of the Putin government. Like, what the fuck, dude? That's bad. Well, he was also, also this week, earlier this week, it's been sort of glossed over because of this, but it also came out that he had a contract with Turkey to do the same yeah. thing, like a five or $600,000 contract. Maybe it was more than that. Was that was that Flynn or was that... Oh, maybe that was Flynn. Flynn. Yeah, was, <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Flynn. Yeah, so that came out earlier. Flynn had the, yes, the $500,000 connection to lobby on behalf of... of uh, uh, Turkey, and then was paid, I can't remember the sum, it was in excess of $50,000 by Russian organizations yes. uh, just to come and give a speech and meet with people, right? And and you have to disclose, disclose those things, right? If you, yeah. are a, if you are working as an agent of a foreign government, and neither one did, right? Yeah. Neither Manafort nor... Wait, uh, hey, you say $50,000 for a speech? Yeah. yeah. Do, do we want to go into what people are paying certain other people for speeches? Oh. <laughs> no, I... Yeah, but, but Matt Flynn though, no, Mike, 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 Mike Flynn. Mikey. Uh, Matt Flynn's a football player. He's right? a quarterback for the Green Bay <laughs> Packers. That's right. Steve Flynn. Uh, no, so those two guys, and uh, no, and again, there's nothing necessarily illegal about Paul Manafort lobbying on behalf of the Russian government, but that should have been red alarms should have been going off in the Trump administration right. saying that this is a, not the right guy to have running your campaign. 
Um, well, he blatantly yeah. lied. He said he never worked with Russia with any yeah. sort of Russian interests. Yes. Right. Well, it also shows to some extent the, the inability or the unwillingness of the Trump administration to really vet people. Right. right? Like, like this yeah. is either they should have like the Trump Trump administration or Trump and his people should have known a, either they they either knew and didn't talk about it or they like made no effort to actually find out sort of what he had been doing with his past right, right. and it just begs this question like i think to your point nick why are they why did they deny all these connections if there's if it's if there's an innocent explanation show it to me right, right. Uh, and I, i'm still not convinced that trump has these connections with russia i mean that, I it, could, it could all be innocent and just stupid right that yeah you're right they didn't do their homework now, Paul Manafort, clearly, and Flynn, I think they have, I don't know, I don't know how to, they have Russian interest or what that may be, but right. um, yeah, it's just, there's so much smoke. It's terrible. It's insane. Yes. They were going um, to make him deputy king of uh, Ukraine, I think. I think that was the deal. <laughs> well, and there's, and the other, the other strange thing about all of this is the fact that Trump has trashed everybody. I mean, he, he's trashed the, the British, the Australians, <laughs> the Mexicans. <laughs> Everybody he'll throw under the bus. I mean, even Merkel. That was such an awful meeting this week. Ooh. But when he, as soon as Putin comes up, he's like, "No, no, no, Russia. We're gonna." We're gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> so the other aspect of this, like that you mentioned, is yeah. that the Trump administration, in the process of this week, accused the the British intelligence <laughs> agencies of, of <laughs> helping the U.S. to spy or helping Obama to spy uh, on Trump. Uh, oh, this uh, again. So Trump has accused, has he has uh, accused. The British intelligence of tampering with the U.S. election, but has yet to say anything negative or like even possibly questioning about well, Putin's okay. the Russian involvement. He yeah. didn't accuse them. He just repeated a story that was on Fox News <laughs> from a credible attorney, right. from a guy who heard the story from Russia Today. Right? So, so you have basically Russian state television makes, that makes this claim that the British are spying on Trump. Yeah. Judge Napolitano, is, yeah, Andrew Napolitano, yeah, yeah. this guy, a Fox News analyst, is yeah. apparently watching Russia today. Sees this claim, makes the argument himself, and then the Trump admit Trump or somebody Spicer who, and Spicer Trump, Trump bring it up. up, right? They're trolls. And, They're all internet trolls at this point. <laughs> and then uh, there's even one more piece to it. Russia Today got the story from a disgruntled CIA operative who was just basically pissed off and wanted to burn it all down. Uh, and so, yeah, so at the Angela Merkel press conference, uh, Trump is asked a tough question by this German uh, reporter. It's, it's Angela. Angela. Uh, and he, does, he points to this. He points to the story that, well, I don't know. I, I, I saw somewhere on Fox News that uh, they said that the British, you know, Obama went to the British. And, and he said, I, I don't have an opinion on this. I'm just repeating the story. Which, oh. uh, and then, of course, the British come out, this GCHQ, the British Intelligence Agency, and is just livid about it and yeah. denies it. And, and again, so then that causes all sorts of trouble with the British. Mm. Oh. Yeah, it, was, it was a good week. It was a good week. Can we talk, since you brought the... This is like a stream of consciousness conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, everything we talk about jumps into something yeah. else. So let's talk about Angela Merkel stuff yeah. in this visit, yeah. right? That uh, meme that you put up about the hiring Nazis thing, I just kept hearing that in my head. <laughs> hired Nazi. What did you do? I hired Nazis. <laughs> what did I tell you to do? Don't hire Nazis. What did you do? I hired Nazis. <laughs> the internet is so, so good. So, I mean, you could make an argument that, that, uh, that Germany is, at, at this point, 
maybe our most important ally in a lot of ways. I mean, we have all these important, like, it, you, I don't know. They're yeah. certainly in that top tier, right? right? Like, they're right up there with the British and the Canadians and all of these other people for Canadians. kind of allies. And, and, and Canadians. <laughs> I know, I know we, we laugh at them, but those, those bastards have been with us in every war we've ever been in. Oh, yeah. Well, then we are. Um, uh, so, yeah, Angela Merkel comes to town. Yep. And it's just like awkward from the beginning i I suppose the story that i had heard apparently in the private meetings they had they had a they had some level of i don't know that it was butting of heads so one of one of the points of tension was was nato right this is the thing that's come up a lot and Mm -hmm. and trump i think pretty clearly revealed he doesn't understand what how nato works in the way he was talking about stuff because he continually uh, he was on Twitter, and I think he even said in a press conference that basically the, essentially that the Germans and others owe America money, right? Yes, that it's yes. like as if they are not paying their protection money, yeah. which is not how NATO works. So, so the point of NATO, or, or the way that the the thing that the issue that has come up is this two percent threshold, right? Yeah. That two percent of the GDP or whatever has to be spent on military. Right. Has to be spent. So, so it's not that Germany owes anyone any money. It's that as part of NATO's membership, they agree to spend two percent of their national economy, essentially, which they're not doing. Which yeah. they're not doing, right? There yeah. are other countries that are not as well. But, but the correction to that is they need to beef up their defense spending, not you owe America money, right? And I think that I, my my impression was, one of the articles that I read made it sound like that I think Merkel essentially tried to explain some of this to Trump, and I don't think it went well, no, which is no. why then you see this this photo session where he's, I, I, it was, it was, it was really, it was bizarre to me because you saw, I mean, they're sitting in the two chairs next to each other, taking pictures. Yeah. We're like two weeks ago with, uh, uh, it was, oh, with, with the Japanese prime minister, yeah, right? Yeah. There was like the aggressive handshake yeah. and all of this and stuff. Trudeau, they had a good, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's the sort of thing that even when an ally comes to town, even if you're not having pleasant conversations, you like put a smile on your face and shake hands and, and yeah. It, it, well, and the video was so bad because there's lots of pictures and there is noise. But Merkel is asking him, like, do you want to shake hands? Do you want to shake hands? And he just keeps looking forward. (laughs) And I think he probably just didn't hear. I don't think he was trying to snub her, but it made for this bad optic, uh, you know. And then then they go, they come back out and they answer questions. They give their brief statements and answer questions. And then Trump, in his answering one question, made this comment about, you know, they were asking about the wiretapping. And he says, well, at least now, Angela Merkel, uh, we have something in common that we've both been wiretapped. And her face, when she hears this, like, it's it's a quick look over, like, did he just say that? <laughs> he did. Uh, yeah, no, that was, uh, that was something, uh, that whole interaction with Merkel. And, and the Germans, apparently, the German press was saying that we actually thought it was going to be worse. <laughs> well, so the, 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 one, the one German uh, uh, journalist, who asked? So one of the one of the first questions to Trump was from a German journalist who asked essentially about the role of the media and about fake news mm-hmm. and and Trump's response to a question about the fake news was "You're fake news." That's fake news. That's a bad question. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes, it's a, it's crazy. It it is. It's it's a whole other world. Um, Right, absolutely. Well, and I think Nick, I can't remember if you made this point on Facebook or, uh, you know, on the podcast that like 
there might be some value in not letting Germany rearm again, right? I mean, sort of keeping some of that military. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Out. Fool me twice, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, Phil, if you want to pass me my beer. Um, sorry, I'm listening. My computer just said it's going to restart and it won't let me not do it. So I'm trying to figure out a way to stop that. But we may okay. have to separate this into two segments. That's all right. Unacceptable. Um, so, um, keep, so keep while talking. we're talking about uh, awkward interactions yeah. with foreign uh, leaders, you're using the wrong opener. Oh, I'm trying to open my beer yeah. with a Swiss Army knife. Idiot. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I, it's, I was gonna. If we did like funny stories, I was gonna save this for later, but I'm gonna go ahead and throw it out there because it was, Angela Merkel wasn't the only one to visit, right? The uh, uh, for essentially St. Patrick's Day, there's oh, a standing yes. invitation for the yes. Irish Prime yeah. Minister. Uh, which is pronounced uh, the the Tishik, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, uh, that's not his name. That's the title of the oh, position. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's Irish. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so he he came and uh, really gave actually I thought a really impressive speech. Talking about immigration. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the Irish, immigration, yeah. how St. Patrick was an immigrant, and and yeah, I, mean, that's, yeah. I thought that was it was it was a good speech and uh, bold to say that in front of Trump. Well, Trump's, Trump's right there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. The part that I liked was that in his like discussion or, or response to this, Trump gave yeah. Trump as part of his like welcome to the Irish Prime Minister, cited a traditional Irish blessing. Um, and I wish I had it here with me. I, I should have written it down. But anyway, he cites this traditional Irish blessing and reads it says it's been one of his favorite for like years or whatever. He just loves this traditional Irish blessing. Anyway. I guess Irish Twitter like erupted because no I one had ever heard Irish Twitter. Right? Irish no one had ever Twitter. heard this. Anyway, it turns out that Trump's traditional Irish blessing is actually a Nigerian poem <laughs> <laughs> that was written by like a banker like ten years ago. So uh, yeah. uh, it sounded Irish. That was good enough. Oh, it's so good. So many good things. All right, where do we go next? Can we talk about the budget? Just because. Sure. All right, all right, hold 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 that yeah. thought. I'm I'm I fucking hate windows because yeah. it's terrible. Um, I don't like cleaning windows either. No, it's te also terrible. Um, yeah, I'm gonna cut this and then we'll restart again. Um, you Sounds people good. listening won't even notice, but uh, mm -hmm. just hold tight. I'm start this and yeah, okay, we're we're back on. Like literally right, back so on. <laughs> Minor, minor difficulties, but the listener won't even know. Yes, notice, right? Yeah. yeah, sure. <laughs> we were about to talk about the budget, right? So go, yeah. go, go to it, Bill. All right. So uh, earlier this week, the Trump administration proposed their budget. Now this is, uh, it's just their initial offering, right? And Congress is really the one who puts the budget together. Uh, but the Trump administration was very bold in their cutting uh, and was willing to cut Meals on Wheels, uh, PBS. You know, they basically said, sorry, screw you, Sesame Street. Uh, I mean, it was it was very aggressive in terms of its cutting uh, a lot of domestic programs and what was like a 10 percent increase in, in defense spending. Right. Fifty billion, billion? dollars. Yes, uh, that which is that's a huge jump. So the EPA yeah. cut 31 percent, State right. Department uh, cut 29 percent, uh, Department of Labor 21 percent, Agriculture. I mean, so their uh, education cut 14 percent. Uh, so they were really attacking a lot of more traditional programs, which a lot of conservatives really liked, right? I mean, I think this, right. this played well to his base. Uh, uh, as although it just, in some ways. Come on, Meals on Wheels, right? right. That's uh, you know, and, and then what's his name, Mulvaney, the guy that came out and made this oh, argument. 
I basically said, you got to deliver, right? And Meals on Wheels is not delivering. He was, he was like, like the movie stereotype of like an, right. an asshole like right. conservative. Hey, right? man, realistically, number one point, they've had their time. Number two point. Meals on Wheels? No, old people. Oh. <laughs> number two, you've got Grubhub. You've got Yelp. You've got Uber food thing. Like, if they would just get on the bandwagon with everyone else about the shared economy, we wouldn't have this problem. So, meh. And that's the thing. They they didn't shy away. Like you said, Phil, they didn't shy away from being kind of the mean Republican. You know, this idea of of compassionate conservatism was not part of this budget. Well, he made the argument that they were making, they were doing the compassionate thing. This is what... Mulvaney, is that his name? I yeah. think so. His argument was that like when you make when you make statements about being compassionate in a budget, you only think about one side and that they yes. were trying to think about both sides, which is essentially trying to be <clears throat> compassionate to the taxpayer, right? Yes. So so <laughs> his argument was that cutting meals on wheels and yes. like PBS and like uh uh the Great Lakes food after school, yes, yes. Yeah, like like under like uh like uh <laughs> and part of the argument was that these after the four school after school food programs they weren't showing an increase in testing scores right but you're feeding kids right <laughs> so his argument was the whole point is that yes. if you have a full stomach you do better in school but in fact they're not doing any better so screw them <laughs> we're not giving them food anymore <laughs> maybe they'll work harder if they're starving um, it's fine well and the other thing is that the meals on you know and there were a number of uh pieces on news this week where they were talking about there are a lot of meals on wheels recipients who are trump voters right right and a number of these programs were targeting there was an appalachian uh development program that was directly right. targeted and it, it just doesn't seem like good politics I, right. I i get that you want to cut back right that, that makes a lot of sense especially with the budget deficit um but you know this just did not seem like it's going to appeal to the masses now now phil speaking of, of budgets <laughs> All right, so we, we got a, we got a question from a listener, right? So we, yeah, let's, that's let's, probably more important than anything. <laughs> we, we got an email, like our first real email. Yes, we did. Yeah, it was very exciting. Yes. So, <laughs> so uh, this is this, um, I, I was going to have my phone and actually read the question, but I well, I'll just I'll I'll yeah. make it up. We I don't know if we'll be able to answer it as in depth as, as we could, but yeah. So I, I have a. It was actually one of my former students. Um, uh, and I'm going to say her name. I don't know. I hope she doesn't care. Molly Salmon from who is one of my Austin College students who's now. In Denver, and she was asking about uh, national debt. Yeah, right. And and her her question was basically, you know, you hear lots of stuff about the national debt, but there's not actually all that much explanation yeah. about it. And so I, we're, I mean, we're not. Uh, you're an amateur economist, Bill. No, no. I don't <laughs> like numbers. So yeah, I mean, I, we, I don't want to. Um, there, there's so much that we could talk about. So what she was basically asking, what is the national debt, and like who do we owe, and where does it come from, and whatnot, and so. Um, I, I, I don't know how much we can get into that, but I feel like it fits in a little bit with yeah. this discussion of the sure. budget, right? Part, so part, part of the idea of the Trump budget proposal is that we need to cut back uh, and help reduce right. the deficit. Yes. Right. Yeah. It, but one of the one – so, I mean, the, the kind of quick intro to that is that, we, I mean, we it, it's normal for countries to run um, – to have debt, right? Yeah. I, I mean, this, yes. is, this, is, this is very typical. But uh, within the last, what, probably third – really, it's sort of – Starting in the 1980s, like in, in Reagan, the Reagan administration, the defense yeah. buildup. Yeah. So we've always had some level of national debt. It has gone up dramatically faster in the last 40 years, yeah. basically. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, 
whether or not this is like a concern, it is normal to have debt. Well, the number now is 20 trillion. 20 trillion dollars. That shocked me when you told yeah. me that today. And it has doubled basically in the last 10 years. So like, right. actually within the, the Obama administration, it doubled. Uh, it is, and it is, it's just, it's, it's spiraling out of control. Uh -huh. It's spiraling out of control. <laughs> right. So, I mean, essentially we, we are in debt because we have, we, I mean, this is just like a, any, whether you're talking about your checkbook or a company or whatever, right? We're spending more money than we're bringing in. So our tax revenues are not offsetting our spending, right? And no. so we make up for that by borrowing money essentially through government, uh, uh, you know, through uh, T-bills. Yeah, through, yeah. through um, bonds and yeah. all sorts of other stuff. Too largely, like countries like Saudi Arabia buys a ton of U.S. China. China, China buys Japan. China. Did you say Canada? China. China. <laughs> because if you are China or Saudi Arabia or another country, this is a, you know, the U.S. dollar is a good investment, right? right. I mean, or not the U.S. dollar, but I mean, taking debt from the United States right. is about as good as it gets. Right. It's a safe. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's right. as close to the safest sort of bet you can right. get out there. Tell me more about debt, though. So, <laughs> but ultimately, it comes back. So, I mean, there, there's not like, I don't know if there's a right answer to whether or not you know, too much debt, like what's too much or any of that. I, I don't know that we're the right people to answer that. Well, how big of a problem this is, right? I think right. everybody would agree that debt is a, an issue and $20 trillion in debt is a big deal. Um, you know, we have low interest rates right now. So there are some who say that given that there's low interest rates, that this debt problem isn't as big of a deal, you know, as, as we make it out to. And others say like, no, this is a major issue that is going to have a crippling effect on the economy down the road. But so I, so I made it to bring it back around to the budget. The question is... Yeah. Um, how did we get to this point, right? So uh, the Trump administration has done something fairly bold, right? So it's not unusual for a Republican administration to come in and request, uh, to not request, to, to basically lower taxes, yeah. right? So you're lowering your revenue, which is okay if you offset that with spending cuts, right? The tendency though is that Republican administrations have lowered taxes and increased defense spending. So yeah. Uh, under Reagan, it was you know Star Wars, Cold War type, you know all sorts huge, of Cold War spending, huge military buildup. Yeah. Under George uh, W. Bush, it was the Iraq War, yeah. right? Um, now Trump's requesting a fifty uh, billion dollar increase. Yeah. Um, the thing that Trump's doing that's different is that he's actually trying to offset that fifty billion dollars, right? But if you want to offset fifty billion dollars to spend more on the military, and and the programs they're talking about cutting are really small right like so right. what's what's the what do you have like what's the budget of like i mean the the, the budget of like the corporation for public broadcasting or the pbs npr thing you know it's like small it's potato. tiny yeah. compared yeah. to what we're trying to well, make up and especially you know some of them like meals on wheels that one is really i mean there's been a number of people on social media talking about the fact that you know, trump's trips to mar-a-lago basically right. would off balance meals right. on one wheels. weekend at mar-a-lago would pay for, for meals on wheels budget right so so even if you are like a fiscal conservative i think you would applaud trump's attempt to cut back, uh, you also have to say, like politically, there's certain things that you know. You, you also you want a country left. Uh, so and the, you know, the question for me is, I, I think national defense is an important thing. Right. But Trump portrays this as if our military is this weakling. But right. you take our military defense budget and you can add up what it's either like the next 13 or 15 countries combined matches ours. Like we are the preeminent military power in the world. Right. Uh, so you know, is, is it really necessary to add that much more to the, the budget? For me, I, I'm not so sure. So while I think that the military budget for us is astronomical, 
there's also evidence that we're just not spending our money efficiently. There was something that I read that it was half of Navy strike fighters were completely inoperable right now as Trump took office. So where the fuck is this money going if we're spending that much money on the military? I mean, clearly there were there's significant issues just from a a, a, a material standpoint. And, And it has to be just massive mismanagement at an administrative level where this is becoming an issue. It's not that we don't have the capability or the technology to create an effective and efficient military. We're just not using it efficiently. So, right. I, 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 no, go ahead. And there's all, there's all sorts of weird, perverse incentives here as well, because we have, like, you know, we're spending, I don't, I don't know what the numbers are, but the, like the new, I'm not a, a military person, but the new F whatever fighter jet costs. Yeah, the F one is good. Yeah. It goes <laughs> fast. Yeah. Oh, the, uh, the F 22. Is that the new one? That yeah. costs like, uh, you know, billions of dollars or whatever. Anyway, like there have been a number of these like defense uh, contracts that have come out in the last few years, but the military is like, we don't need this. We don't want this. It's right. not like, it's not what we're asking for. It's not in line with like what we envision the U.S. military needs to be like over the next few years. Like we're spending money on like tanks when, when like the military yeah. is saying we need to do more like special forces. And, but that's because you have like, you know, you have people who don't who if if they don't get these military contracts, there it means jobs are lost in their districts. Right. And so yeah, it's mm-hmm. it's a well, it's, it's a weird dynamic. It's Eisenhower going all the way back to President right. Eisenhower's this military industrial complex. Mm-hmm. This this takes on a life of its own, and and you're I think both of you are right that it's it's difficult to slow down that uh, right. for both local domestic reasons and and also it just it becomes and, a national security issue. And the, the the shame of it is they're asking for all of this extra money to buy, I think they wanted to add like two aircraft carriers and all of these new jets and stuff like that. While at the same time, in an attempt to cut spending, the Trump administration has imposed this hiring freeze, right? Personnel freeze. So like there have been all these stories of people in the military who like the military is having to like shut down daycare programs for for military kids. And and that's like the sort of thing that costs nothing compared to a new fighter jet, right? So it's like, it's these weird, it, it doesn't make a whole, like I don't, I don't, well, and, and you saw that in Republicans. I mean, so of course, Democrats were just up in arms about this and said this, this is a non-starter. But Republicans also pushed back right. just in terms of this isn't good politics, right? right? I mean, we need to get the budget in order, <clears throat> but you have to be very careful about going after certain social programs that are, are really meaningful to the country as a whole. Right. Um, well, and I think that's partly how we get to... So I, the, the, when we talk about how do we end up in $20 trillion of debt, right? Yeah. Like you have sort of two different philosophies you have multiple different philosophies about government spending, but you know there, there's uh, there's there's one philosophy of government spending that you know you get into like Keynesian stuff, and yeah. this is not this is not me, but it's like yeah. you you deficit spend when you need to, right? There's bad times and you spend to create jobs, or to, yes, it, right. but then when you have good times, you pay off your debt, right? But uh, we, we, we we don't do that. We don't do that, right? So you have Democrats who like that idea, yeah. but then you have Republicans who are always trying to cut taxes, and it, you have like this weird mix and match where we have uh, no, the political incentives again, right? So Republicans want to lower taxes, which is is fine, but the programs that you would sort of cut to help pay for those are sort of politically deadly, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so you lower taxes without cutting the programs. And so you have, right. you know, you're, you're running up debt. So, well, this yeah. is, I, I, and especially over the past decade, I guess going on two decades at this point, 
and I don't know if I'm the only one that thinks this or what, but you look at historical deficits and, and the levels that they reached and the the point at which people or an administration freaked out and decided to push back on it and attempt to balance the budget. It's getting to the point now where it's so astronomical that you really question if it means anything at this point. Right. Like, you right. want to go, okay, something catastrophic has to happen at some point because there's there's we're so far in debt that we could never, ever get out of this hole and we keep going farther and farther. But we keep pushing that bar back every... Right every single time that something comes up and i i with the bush administration okay you have 9-11 you have afghanistan and military buildup and all of that and homeland security and intelligence gathering and blah 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 and then you have the obama administration where you go okay we're gonna get out of iraq so that solves part of the problem which i would assume would be a large chunk of the problem but it the it it just it grew without any real explanation and it's just it uh, like i don't feel like there's a real impetus on the part of any administration or any part of the government to really look at the because i mean what would you have to do to pay down 20 trillion dollars in debt at this point you would have to slash everything sell a lot of kidneys yeah (laughs) everyone would have to sell a kidney literally everyone you're right in that, like, from a politician standpoint, if you're a politician, it may, like, the things you have to do are cut programs. It's just placating. Taxes, it's it's or, or it's political taxes. grandstanding. Right. You have to do what either raising taxes or cutting programs, ideally both, right? Yeah. But those are both going to be unpopular, right? Right. Like, right. If there's no incentive as an elected official. So why would you? Taxes. Yeah. Just right. let it go. <laughs> <laughs> for the Obama administration, so the two big, like the two big era, uh, presidencies where the the debt exploded was the Reagan administration, the military buildup you mentioned, and then the Obama administration. Now the Obama administration, part of the explanation for that was there was the 2008 financial crisis, right. and so this was the debate: Do you engage? Not good in, enough. <laughs> you know, austerity or stimulus, right? And so the, for the Obama administration, it was stimulus, and that was that was a, we forget that this was Angela 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 Merkel Angela Merkel, right? Her and Obama didn't get along because. The Obama administration was right. arguing you need massive stimulus to get the world going right. again, and she wanted austerity. Right, uh, and so that's what led to so much of that debt. But no, you're right. This is it's it's a genuine issue, which because of low interest rates, it just, we've just been kicking the can down the road. And, and I don't think I, I, it is it is an issue. I don't think it's it, as an immediate like it's not going to you know it's not that in the next ten or twenty years it's going to be the end of America because of the, I think that the debt is. It's big, but it's still, it's not like, as a percentage of GDP, they, they talk about it. it it's, it's not, not that overwhelming. Right. It's right. not it's, as high as it was in the Reagan administration because right. GDP has grown so much. Right. Um, doesn't mean that we shouldn't do anything about it, but it doesn't mean that we should be panicking, panicking about it necessarily either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that, was a, that was a good debt conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it it might have all been wrong. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> sure 95% of that was wrong. Thanks for the questions. <laughs> Listeners, send us more questions. This is great. Hey, Bill, where should they send those questions? To barstoolpolitics at yahoo.com. <laughs> yeah. Part of, didn't they, so th- I, th- I thought of this because last week the FBI or whoever made this big statement, they made a big about, announcement about. They uh, are 
arrested or, or were filing charges against Russian hackers who stole like 500,000 Yahoo accounts. That must yeah. be where all of our emails are right. going, right? Exactly. Yes. We can only assume that you're all emailing us, but the Russian hackers have taken it. So yes. send it again. Resend your uh, So yeah, go please get uh, an hour disc from uh, your local Blockbuster for, uh, for AOL and uh, make sure you can send uh, something to our Yahoo account. I was so excited when I saw the email. And I know you guys don't check the email, so. <laughs> I do now. It's, it's in my phone. I'll okay, get a notification okay. anytime somebody emails us. I have too many, many email addresses to care. Uh, yeah. We have a, eh, a little less than a half hour. Should we talk, uh, you guys want to talk healthcare, or you want to talk uh, Gorsuch? you want to talk about the Supreme Court? Yeah, Gorsuch would be good. What? What? Was that Nick? I said Gorsuch would probably be good in the Let's limited amount of time it. that I... Nick, yeah. what, what do you think, Nick? Honestly, like... <laughs> It was uh, obviously I didn't watch the entire thing because I have a life and don't care that much, <laughs> frankly. Um, but the little bit that I did catch, um, he seemed like a thoughtful guy. Like, I mean, I, I, yeah. they couldn't they couldn't really nail him down on anything. Right. Um, and the the one thing that I I did get out of it, like I said, I I didn't hear the entire thing or you know a, a vast majority of it. But there was this weird divide between, I mean, Republicans obviously had the easiest job that they could have possibly had with this entire situation. They don't have to do much. They don't have to really kind of dig into the issues. But it seemed like the divide between the Democrats and the Republicans came in the sense of Republicans were going, how would you handle this decision? What did you mean by this uh, decision that you made in uh, in uh the appeals court, um, in uh, what's you know your your concepts and understanding of the Constitution and how do you interpret things, and then I would hear Democratic senators go up there and go, "How do you feel about Trump saying something about you? What did this right. make you think?" And you just go, "I just what I I know we know what you're trying to do, and it's not that it's not important." Because it's being said about very high levels of the judicial branch, and it's something that shouldn't happen. But come on, guys! Like, let's not hammer down that touchy feely thing, like about that whole touchy side feely. of the aisle right now. I just, it just, it bugged the shit out of me, man. You're you're trying <laughs> to you're trying to catch him in something, and then he doesn't want to go into the intricacies or confidential information about legal proceedings. And they're lambasting him because they're not giving him direct answers. But, I, I was screaming at the radio, just going, shut the <laughs> fuck up. Are you kidding right now? Don't, don't you think, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you, but don't you think it's it's fair or, I, it seems like an important, with, with the stuff that Trump has said about judges and the judiciary and whatnot, it seems like a fair question to ask. Why does it matter? Like, like, really, why does it matter? Well, I mean, I, I mean, Congress is supposed to approve and provide oversight. And, and one of the things they might want to check on is to make sure that his views are like, if his view is that the president does whatever he wants and the, the judiciary can't overrule him, then, I, then maybe the Congress wants to say that that's not acceptable. Right. Yeah, I would agree. If the response that he gave was something like that, I would completely agree. But the response that right. he gave was that doesn't affect my interpretation of the Constitution right. or the laws of the United States, and, which he hammered. He hammered again and again and again. Right, yeah. which is why uh, these are these are uh, confirmation hearings are dumb. Yeah, right, right. Unless I mean, if you are smart, which if you've been nominated for the Supreme Court, you should be. 
right? You're answering vaguely, and you're, you're not, I mean, everything that needs to be known about him can be researched. You read his decisions. Yeah. You like the, the, the interview part is just political grandstanding to some extent, right? Yeah. Um, he, he's, he's eminently qualified, right? Regardless of what you think of his views, um, there are lots of people I know who, who disagree with his political or his like this, not even necessarily political judicial stances yeah, on judicial issues. philosophy. Yeah. But you know, I, I, he's he's he was a smart pick because he's he's smart, he's qualified. Like, there's no reason. I, the, yeah. the, the attempt of Democrats to sort of pin him on these issues I, is I don't know. Maybe that's important politically for them to be seen doing that. It's not going to work. It doesn't make sense to me. Like, I think the the opposition, the only real opposition you can have, I mean, you can have opposition to his stances on stuff. But the yeah. only opposition to him actually taking, you know, the only way you can really like push back and say, no, he's not qualified. He can't be a Supreme Court justice. The only real way you could do that is is by making it an issue in terms of the the Merrick Garland, the, stuff. the, the Garland yeah. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I don't I don't know that that would be successful, but I, yeah. I have a hard time. Yeah. Otherwise, it seems it, you're right. It's, it's political theater, and he is. I mean, he he is so well prepared, mm -hmm. and and in contrast to so many of the Trump appointees who in some ways come across as political hacks, right? I mean, I, I think some of Trump has some very good people, but a lot of people who are not well polished, but. Gorsuch is. I mean, he just he right. sees where every question is coming from, and he knows how to sidestep the Democratic uh, questions and, and to do so in a way that makes you like him. A lot of right. like, oh yeah, gee and golly and gosh. I mean, he comes across <laughs> as just a, this nice guy. And yeah. Like, oh, I, you know, yeah. I may not agree with his judicial philosophy, but he seems like a good person, and that's not always the case. With I mean, when you think about like Paul Man Manafort compared to you know Gorsuch, right? You're like, ah, oh, he's. So the Democrats are in a tough spot here because I think they need to dis decide if, if, which battles do they want to pick. Right. Right. I'm not mm -hmm. sure this is the one to pick because you're mm -hmm. right. You know, the, the, the Merrick Garland, Republicans pulled a fast one. I think that was illegitimate what they did. Agreed. But the public doesn't care. And now you've got to decide, do you want to go after somebody who's clearly not only – uh, a very intelligent who is within right. what yeah. we would accept as a normal Supreme Court justice. Uh, or, yeah, it just so sounds I, I needlessly like, petty at this point. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it could come back to bite him because Trump is giving the Democrats so much ammunition. Do you want to waste it and and lose some credibility by going after him on this? And I, I think you're you're. This is where the craziness of Trump actually benefits Trump in some yeah. way because, mm -hmm. like, I, I think again, if you had everything going sort of smoothly and normally in the Trump administration, this is the thing that Democrats would be focused on, right? Like Gorsuch and, the, you know, how this is like, how we've been wronged and all of that. Right. So I think they, they, there's the benefit of like the Russian stuff totally covers this up to some extent. But I think you're right in that the general public doesn't care that much, which is why they didn't care that much that Merrick Garland got screwed over. Yeah. But I think the Democratic base, like the hardcore Democratic base, cares a lot, right? They're pissed. And this is an interesting dilemma because Democrats are even getting some pressure from like their sort of fundamental base, which is like, if you don't, if you don't oppose like filibuster, hardcore go against Gorsuch, like we'll, you know, yeah. we're done with you. And so it's this weird thing where, and maybe that's where the theater comes in, right? Because they can... They, the Democrats can ask these questions and pretend to be hard on on Gorsuch, and then in the end he gets through anyway, and the base is somewhat placated, and they <clears throat> haven't like ostracized right. the mainstream. I, I don't know. It, it could be a win-win. And I think they what do they need? Eight Democrats to vote. 
for him to get through, like to get sixty, right? To get to get, to get to yeah. sixty. So yeah, and, and if they don't get to sixty, they can still kill the, they can still get him through at fifty. It just change, requires changing the rules of the right. right. That's a big deal. That's, so it is a big the deal. nuclear so option. Might, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. So there might there might be a situation where there are you can say, are, okay, are there eight senators who are in districts where voting for him might be useful, and let those guys go, and then let Al Franken go crazy, mm-hmm. and everybody. So the base, the Democratic base is happy. Republicans right. are happy. And then you let the Russia story right. dominate everything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, he, I mean, he, Gorsuch is, is very impressive. And he wouldn't be, in terms of his philosophy, he wouldn't be a guy that I would pick. But no, I mean, he is, he's, he's brilliant. I, he, was, he was well-spoken. He was eloquent. Yeah. He, and I do think he, he answered the, the questions to the best of his ability, regardless of whether or not there were some things that he couldn't answer that senators weren't aware of or anything like that. And, you know, he he got a little shitty with them sometimes while they were getting shitty with him, which I appreciated. Yeah. I, I like the guy. So but... <laughs> how, how much should it matter? Like, this is a kind of interesting. So I tend to agree with both of you that, like, the guy, he's qualified. He's done, like, he checks all the boxes, right? Yeah. I mean, I'd agree with him, but the, the requirement isn't to agree with him. It's to make sure that he's qualified to do the job, which he is. Yeah. But at some point, like, should we care about what his views are? So, like, I have, uh, for whatever reason, the person who comes to mind is John Yoo, right? So if you don't yeah. know, if your listeners don't know, John yeah. Yoo was a attorney in the Bush administration who drafted um, – White House counsel. Yeah, yeah well, drafted a lot of the – what have become known as the torture memos. The guy is brilliant, mm-hmm. right? Like, a brilliant legal mind. Um, incredibly controversial and possibly illegal like decisions that he made right Mm -hmm. but like in terms of qualifications right it seems like he's qualified so like at some point it seems like we should care right like but like how do you draw that line between you know it's it it is just about qualifications but you know if Gorsuch was qualified but also was like arguing that you know in his legal opinions his very brilliant well-informed legal opinions that I don't know that like I, you know, slavery was okay, right? right? We would say that's not, you know, he's qualified, but no. Well, in some ways, I think that matters. Hold on, guys. Let's hear him out on this. He sounds pretty <laughs> eloquent. <laughs> but the other thing is important to think, elections matter. And Republicans continue to win elections. They have control of the Senate. And, and so, uh, you know, Democrats, they, they need to get the Senate back, right? Yeah. And so there's a difference between the Merrick-Garland dynamic where Republicans control the Senate. So they could do this. They could say, like, eh, this for a year even though it you know violates all these norms democrats can't do that now because they're in the minority so they can throw a fit they can potentially filibuster but their their options are limited because they don't win elections right. uh, and that, that's that's important or at least for me yes because uh, they're whiny yeah. little babies as we saw yesterday <laughs> mm-hmm. the end the end <laughs> uh, get, should we talk about beers nick uh yeah sure what do you guys got all right so I, I actually made an so Bill and I went and wandered the streets of New York today trying to find localish beer, and I actually got New York beers unlike Bill. <laughs> so my first beer was a um, uh, Brooklyn Pilsner. I got two Pilsners because I thought I was going to try them out and see what. So Brooklyn Pilsner, which um, the Brooklyn brand, I I thought well that's obviously from Brooklyn, but apparently it's not. <laughs> it's just oh, called the Brooklyn Brewery. It is from New York. It is from okay. New York. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I really liked it. It was just a nice, you know, I, I was in the mood for a lightish kind of pilsnerish kind of beer. It was it was good. I would drink that again for sure. The second one I got is from Braven Brewing Company. I assume that's how you pronounce it. The Bushwick Pilsner. 
Um, which I, this was the second one I had. And when I first tasted it, it tasted uh, like buttery or butterscotchy or something. Ooh. Um, which I, I, I wasn't necessarily, I didn't, I didn't dislike it, but I wasn't really a fan of it. But as I drank it more, as I got more into it, I, I liked it. It just, I just kind of had to adjust to the taste. I don't know if it was the difference from the first beer to the second one, but yeah, it was good. <laughs> Bill, what are you drinking? So I had, I started, uh, I didn't go to New York. Uh, I went to New Jersey with my first beer. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> but the first beer was, it was a River Horse IPA. Uh, from River, oh, I'm sorry, the, the yeah River Horse IPA from River Horse Brewing, uh, and it was it was actually wonderful. It had a little citrus to it, uh, light, not too heavy. There's a picture of a hippopotamus on the, oh, the label. Wrong with that. Good marketing too. Yes, yes. It's, Phil was making fun of me. I usually make my beer choices based on labels, and uh, <laughs> so by that standard, it was a it was a really good beer, and I enjoyed it. Uh, my second beer was a Nugget Nectar uh, from Trogs Independent Brewery, which is in Pennsylvania. I'm sure I'm probably mispronouncing that. Trogs? Trogs. Um, <laughs> yes, so this was a Hoppy Amber Ale, and I did like it, although I'm less of a super hoppy guy, uh, so it wasn't it wasn't my absolute favor, but uh, I also like the label on this. It was... Uh, it's, it's, it, was, it was pretty, so, yeah. The paper <laughs> felt good. It was colorful. Yes, yeah. So. What about you, Nick? What are you drinking? Uh, I had a uh, another thing from Noon Whistle. It's their M-Punk Mosaic Hopped Red Ale. I love red ales, so it's kind of a, uh, a Killian's mixed with an Indian Pale Ale, um, so it's a little heavier and a little hoppier. Really, really good. Um kind of sweet which i didn't really expect uh, expect that to be um where's where noon whistle noon whistle is in lombard illinois which uh -huh. is about 10 minutes from naperville which is where we normally nice. broadcast from we, um, we drink so many of their beers that we should we should work a relationship out with them yeah <laughs> they would have had to have listened at some point damn it um second one i had which i told you guys about is from black sheep brewery it's actually a Monty Python's Holy Grail beer, uh, an amber gold ale tempered over burning witches, um, which was, it's actually surprisingly good. Um, kind of, it's, it's lighter, but sweeter. Um, it, it really helped to kind of cleanse the palate after the last one. Um, where are these guys from? No, they're from Canada. Boy? Is it a big one? It's a bigger one, yeah. yeah. Um, They're it's from Canada? Apparently from Canada, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Hey there. That's good. Oh, yeah. Okay, there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then the third one, which, hold on. <laughs> oh, you're, you're pulling a fill. Hold oh, on. Yeah. Open it in the midst. Yeah. Hold on. Oh, it's a little warm, but it's still good. Um, uh, this is a, a Galactica India Pale Ale from a uh, clown shoes beer which um i mean the, I, the the label was really great i really like the label it's colorful there's someone in space it's yeah, uh, yeah. um there's somewhat in space no there's someone there's someone in <laughs> oh, space no, okay. yeah. gotcha. um hold, hold on nick is doing a second sip um 
Yeah, it's it's not it's uh, again kind of sweet, not um, not very bitter for uh, for an India Pale Ale. Um, yeah, I, I like it. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to do some more testing on it to make sure I have that opinion. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall very good. And I'm uh, as I mentioned, uh, I'm a fan of Battlestar Galactica, so that's why I picked it up in the first place. So there nice, you go. Nice. Mm-hmm. Can't can't go wrong there. Um, um, can final... with women. Yeah, so how much, how much time do we have left? How much, we got to figure out how much we can talk here. Uh, a little less than 10 minutes. Okay. Yeah. Do we want to do, like, fun, weird stories? Or... I, want, I want to talk about Rex Tillerson a little do bit. You? Okay, go. You go. Go. So uh, Rex Tillerson made his first trip to, I don't know if it was, it's probably not his first trip. Right, <laughs> right. He made a trip to uh, Asia in, in his role as uh, Secretary of State. And we've been, I don't know, we've I, we've kind of questioned Rex Tillerson, but but yeah. have, have given him the benefit of the doubt and seem to think that like you know we're gonna he's he's smart and he's you know there's there's questionable ties and all sorts of other stuff, but we'll, was, we'll see how he can do. He was referred and supported by a number of like heavy hitters within yeah. the Secretary of State community, uh, saying that this is a, a rock star on the rise. So. We were willing to consider that he might be part of like. The cool kids club of yeah. like people who the you know the same people in the Trump administration. James Baker. Yes, the Illuminati. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so he goes to uh, Asia and doesn't take any. He takes one person from the press with him, right? Um, doesn't bring any press along. He says at one point that he's just not a press guy, which I, I get. Like if I were the CEO of like Exxon Mobil, I wouldn't really be a press guy either. But when you're Secretary of State, you don't really have that choice. Yeah. But the doozy is that he goes to South Korea and apparently gets tired. <laughs> but this is the this is the danger, right? So the, they have they have pushed back on this, the Trump administration, yeah. because the reports that he got tired came out of the South Korean press. But the problem was there were no American journalists there. So when you don't bring American journalists along, you're at the whims of the South Korean press. And so they've argued that that this was not actually what happened, that they did, South Koreans didn't invite them to dinner. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's this very, like, petty middle school type uh. of debate. But it's also worth throwing in that he – I wish I had the quote – sort of – insinuated that we were willing to go to war with North Korea, which we've said before. I mean, it's been implied that we're willing to go to war with North Korea, but he's become, he was more explicit about it. Right, this this idea of like patient management of North Korea is the la- gone. The yeah. last 20 years of policy have yes. not worked, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah, and th- this was a this was a, a big deal to say that military options might still be on the table because it's going to cause a crazy reaction from North Korea. Right. And I don't know if I, I, I go back and forth on whether this was a good or bad poking. Uh, there's <laughs> part of me that thinks, you know, North Korea needs to be pushed, and maybe being pushed like this will cause them to moderate their behavior. And there's another part of me that says like being poked and pushed is going to cause North Korea right. to go like absolutely right. insane. Right. <laughs> what are they going to do? <laughs> Like really, yeah. what are they gonna do? Well, well, now they they're testing like these ballistic missiles. Like it used to be that North Korea was, yeah, they had nuclear weapons. They didn't work too good. Their missiles were terrible. They were small. Yes, they now, didn't. They couldn't deliver them anywhere. Right? right now, now their missiles are getting better and potentially having an intercontinental right. ballistic missile, which is really right. scary. So, I, just on that note, this is one of my favorite facts that I I read an article this week that said that. Uh, for a long time, the the missiles that North Korea was producing were powered by kerosene. <laughs> <laughs> Clean burning whale oil. Yeah. 
so they have they have apparently figured out more advanced propulsion propulsion systems at this point. But uh, but yeah, you're right. At some point, they, it becomes an issue. Yeah, yeah. I really think in the well, grand geostrategic sense, China is the biggest question in terms of U.S. foreign policy over the next decade. But in the short term, it's not ISIS. It's North Korea, right? right? If, if North Korea launches some kind of missile or attack against uh, South Korea or Japan or the United States, like this this legitimately could happen. And, uh, and I think that's what you have to recognize is that even if they can't reach the United States, we're still in this, right? Yeah. Because they, they, you personally in the US might not be under threat of a nuclear attack, but South Korea is, Japan is, and these are allies that we have promised our yeah. support to, right? So if they get nuked, right, it's, it's, it's we get, into it. All right, if the all right. United States carries out a military attack against North Korea, they're going to let loose everything they have against South Korea. Right. Uh, no, it's it, it, yeah. It, all right, it's, Bill. It's, like, like, let's let's really let's take a step back from the edge here. <laughs> you're you're an international politics guy. Yeah. Like, what is the likelihood of this happening? Like, realistically. Of the U.S. attacking North Korea? No, or... of the of the North Koreans North doing something that fucking stupid. I, I think it's not insignificant, right? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm worried because, you know, the, it's the military that has control there. And Kim Jong-un, you know, the current leader now, I mean, he, he's, he's a hawk. And they're, they've convinced everybody that the North Korea faces this existential threat from the United States and South Korea. Well, I, so but I, that I think narrative I'm, has never changed in the past 50 years. No, but for the last what twenty five, we've we've had this idea that we're not going to engage in military action against them. So I I, I don't know. I, I think you're right. It's it's not a huge chance, but certainly the the odds have increased. Uh, it's, it's not zero. Yeah, right. right. It, it's not like odds are they're going to attack someone. Like, odds are they're not. Yeah. Right. But but that's partly where that this argument that our policy hasn't worked. Yeah. I mean, this is where you have to figure, like, what does that mean, right? So if 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 working means North Korea hasn't invaded or attacked its neighbors, then it's worked beautifully, right? If, if working means they've, like, moderated and done away with their nuclear program, then it hasn't worked. Right. So so it's, it's partly a question of what what do we want, like, what, what qualifies as success with North right. Korea, well, right? Correct and, me if I'm, go ahead. Oh, I was just if you're going to be honest, like negotiation with North Korea has failed, right? Whether yeah. it's the Clinton administration or the George W. Bush administration, that they're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> or they, they will agree to something, say like, "Yes, we're on board," and then we'll catch them doing things they said they wouldn't do, and they're like, "Yeah, we did that." But you, <laughs> but with those those negotiations, and correct me if I'm wrong wrong on this, historically with. Um, uh, Kim Jong Il, a lot with whenever these instances would come up, they would launch a missile or you know have some sort of rhetoric out there that they're going to destroy South Korea or the U.S. or something like that, and that would end up leading to more humanitarian aid getting sent to North Korea because that's what they needed more than anything. Right, right. They're strong arming so they don't have to support their own people. 100%. Like I, I, there's no part of me that thinks that they have the capability, willingness, or fucking balls to actually take on South Korea and the U.S. military, as opposed to using this as a saber-rattling technique to get uh, supplies and food and anything else that their population needs so they don't have to deal with it. That seems like a much more salient argument than 
yeah, our policy has failed, and and at some point there's a real possibility now that they're going to launch a nuclear weapon into South Korea or you know Japan or something like that. Right. And so, go, Phil. Go. No, no, I tend to agree with you. Like, I, like when I sit here, I think that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But like when I really like, it, it's you say that they're not crazy enough to take you know take on South Korea and the United States, but it's only been seventy years since they did just that, right? And they, if anything, they've only gotten crazier since then, right? They've been isolated for seventy years. Yeah, and cut off but and there's a real and... there's a real difference between conventional warfare crazy and uh, nuclear war crazy. But, but we had <laughs> nuclear weapons when the Korean War happened, and they inv- like it didn't stop. It didn't deter them from. I mean, they didn't have right weapons. because they them, but, I, they, but they invaded anyway, right? Like even yeah. like the threat. So I I, I like I. I think that's a line that, regardless of how crazy people are, and they are the craziest of the crazy out there, that's a line that they're just not willing to cross right now. No, I would I would agree with that as well. I I think North Korea is a rational actor, right? This idea that North Korea is crazy or Iran is crazy, I don't buy that. They're rational actors. What has changed is that now they've got a much bigger military arsenal and and their missiles and their for a long time those nuclear weapons were not a real threat now they are and so that'll change the interaction between the united states and north korea and i i think you're right the last thing they want to do is engage in a war with the united states or with south korea but when you you ante up the weapons it just makes it more likely and so that's that's what concerns me right so i guess that's the question is like would we actually be willing? Like, is there anything that would actually lead us? So it's strange for me to, for Tillerson to say military options aren't on off the table, right? So if the, if the issue is we want them, like our concern is they're continuing to develop their nuclear weapons, and if we don't do something about it in mm-hmm. ten years, they will be able to reach the. U. Are we actually willing to use military force to prevent that? Like, are we willing to do airstrikes in North Korea to prevent them developing? I think it, it's on, we have to accept that it's on the table if they say it's on the table. It feels like we and they are both just like you know, just they're like we're like the two I don't know big like test like steroided up guys at the bar like yeah. pushing each other. I don't know. I like I think before it even gets to that point, I don't know if that regime has that much more time left. Once you get to that point where they're capable of that, I I think that the economic machinations that are going on all around them especially when you're talking about south korea and china more than anything there's like there's not you can't keep a population that isolated for that long and continue to do that without some sort of some sort of change in public perception like you can't hide the truth forever and they've done a real good job of it up until this point but yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's waning. As much as people get freaked out about it now, I think once you reach that point, there's going to be more international dialogue about, you know, how do we work with you? Well, you know, let's. Again, we're talking about food supplies and economic and technological supplies. Well, that leads into something else. And I, I think it's going to be a progressive thing, just like it has been with with uh with china over the past 50 years um i i I don't know that's my opinion anyways 95 percent of my brain agrees with you nick so uh, let me um 
It's the other, the weird five percent that doesn't. I guess. Um, let me. I call that the so, Trump load. What do you, what do you think of? Like, you think that it was right? Like, is, is it smart for the U.S. to like put more pressure on and to basically say like we're ta- we're done being nice and if we have to we'll use military or is that like? Yeah. In some ways, you're arguing that they have like limited time, so it seems like the the proper response would be to like leave them be. Like, Contain. let's not, let's not. Let's not poke the beast if we think it's limited and they're not actually going to do anything. But we had, I mean, that's what the policy was for the past eight years. So I think the only thing that they do respect is a, a, a not necessarily a show of force, but the perception of a show of force more but, than anything. So in your, like, why has the last eight years of policy failed in your mind? I'm not necessarily saying that it failed. I'm saying that we we gave them a lot of wiggle room in the sense that they there was a, a a concerted effort to build up their military and there wasn't really any significant pushback against it at least as far as i'm aware of and bill correct me if i'm wrong but um i yeah. think there was a lack of there was a lack of knowledge right i, I think there was a sense that we, you know just within maybe the last six months an appreciation that north korea had made a jump that we didn't recognize when right. they're, they're testing missiles uh, at a much greater length, although they're I'm not s- using kerosene anymore. Right, right. right. All that being said, yesterday they tested a missile and they launched it and basically blew up right, right. after launch. Right, so, I mean, which happens uh, to like nine out of ten of them. Well, and the other the other thing is that so the Obama administration, much like how they dealt with Iran, was using like cyber attacks to basically sabotage them. So these missiles that they're using, I think they're basically like Soviet missiles, which had I yeah. can't remember what the rate was seventy or eighty percent working rate. Uh, and they were working at a much lower rate. Uh, lar- and we can only guess because the United States was messing with them. We put bugs in there. And, and so they've now gotten past that. Have you uh, seen those computers they use? <laughs> 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 Even I can hack those things. <laughs> well, I think, you know, Nick, you brought it up. The other, the other important actor here is China. Uh, and as much as the United States wants to dictate politics in North Korea, this really comes down to China. And China has been pushing back. So this, you know, recently they've stopped imports into China from North Korea. So it's clear that they're willing to push back. And I think we have to recognize that they are the regional player there. And if China can exert some influence, some moderating influence on North Korea, then maybe this all gets de-escalated. But I still am concerned with their capacity. It it is a little interesting to me that in in a region in, in which North Korea is surrounded by not just China, but Russia. Yeah. Yep. And South Korea and Japan aren't like nobodies, right? These are like, it's weird to me that the U.S. becomes like the focus, right, yeah. for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, so glad we got to talk about international politics for once. It made me so happy. <laughs> it is, it's good. All right, but I, I, we probably have to wrap up. <laughs> we can do. I, can I just one, one quick story? Yes. Uh, you know, in all the craziness of Trump, we've missed what I think is maybe my favorite funny story. Uh, so the, the the interior, so the new secretary of the interior, um, I think it was maybe a week or two ago, he went to his first day, he was approved, and he showed up to work riding a horse <laughs> named Tonto down the National down Mall. Down the National Mall. And there were so many other things going that people were like, uh, that's not a good deal. <laughs> but the secretary of the interior rode a horse to his first day of work. A horse named Tonto. Well, my impression is that he rode, like he drive, drove or whatever. He had like yeah. a caravan that took him to the stables, which were like a couple of blocks from his office. Right. It's on a horse. This ride down his I, yeah, I just kept thinking. It's fantastic. That's a very Texas thing to do. It he's, was he's from Montana, but yeah, yeah. basically the same. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I mean, sure he got off of that thing 
it was the end of Blazing Saddles where they get off of the horses and get into a limo immediately afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, well, this is fun, gentlemen. Yeah, yes, very good. Um, yeah, Shame. well, go ahead. Shameless plugs, Nick? Shameless <laughs> plugs. Um, yeah, uh, like us on Facebook, uh, at Barstool Politics. Uh, Twitter, at Barstool Paul. Um, I'm going to work on that guy. P-O-L. P-O-L. Um, and then you can find our, our individual uh, Twitters on the, uh, the Facebook page as well. Uh, you can find the episodes on SoundCloud. Uh, this will be up on iTunes shortly. I don't know why I'm telling you that because you're probably listening to it on iTunes. Um, but those are, those are where we're at. Like I said, we're going to try a few new things in the future. Uh, Facebook Live or video broadcast or something like that. But, uh, yeah, that's about, that's about all I have. How about you guys? We're good. Yeah, no shameless, no shameless plugs. No shameless yeah. plugs? That's no yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> and, and you guys have been putting up uh, advertisements in the hotel about just randomly yes, yes. about the podcast? Yes. Yes, we're disseminating advertising, uh, yes, all over the place. That's, <laughs> That's hilarious. Legal, right? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess we'll we'll be back next week at our regularly scheduled time. Uh, Bill will be back here. Phil will be back home, I would assume. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, we will, uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Cheers, Cheers Nick. Bye.